Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. The 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another episode of the Western Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Krebs. Today, I've got my good buddy, Bryce Bowser, on the line. And we're just going to talk about a, a mule deer hunt that we did. Not this last year, but I believe it was the year before. And it was just a fun hunt. It was Bryce's first trip out west. So I just wanted to get him on here and have him share his point of view of how that trip went down. Coming from you know his extensive whitetail hunting history here in, in Minnesota and North Dakota. and Just kind of what it's like for that first time hunt out west. Uh, Bryce, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good. Yeah. How about you? Going good. Getting excited for summer uh, food plot projects, like we were mentioning right before. We just got under contract on a new farm, and so that's been exciting for us. I know you're, well, basically your brother-in-law has been deep mm-hmm. into farm projects for two years now. Um, probably don't right. see much of them in the summertime anymore unless you go to him, and so that's going to be me here in a short bit. Yeah, no, that'll be fun. So. So Bryce and I, uh, for the listeners, we went to high school together, didn't really know each other a lot in high school. Bryce was a couple years older, but ironically met back up through a bunch of mutual friends in Fargo, and we became pretty uh, pretty friendly, hanging out, doing the all kinds of volleyball and different stuff, and then eventually, you know, we finally planned a trip out west. Uh, well, it's been two years now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, two years, yeah, back in November. It was supposed to be Bryce, myself, and the infamous Jeff, the brother-in-law that has more projects than time. And and like more projects than time, Jeff got too busy and couldn't come with us. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got quite the, the food plots and just on top of what he's already doing with the his actual job and work. That's, I mean to be able to afford the uh projects and the, the hobbies that we do it's <laughs> long hours and lots of time and really eats into kind of your your fun times in the or can eat into your fun times during the fall but yeah yeah he definitely unfortunately couldn't come with last or two two years ago but i think we were i think part of the problem as well was that we were planning that trip right as he was trying to get under contract on that farm and, you know, Mm -hmm. making sure everything worked well with clothes and just wasn't a great time for him to be committing to doing some Western hunting. And so, which bummer, probably a good thing for him because I feel like 
he would have got a little addicted. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely definitely a trip that, uh, I mean, I definitely want to get out there and do it again, but it's definitely uh, an addicting type of, it's just different than any hunting that we've done. Minnesota, North Dakota, just different style, obviously different species when we were going after the muleys, but yeah, it was definitely a fun trip that I want to get back out after in the next year or so, but yeah. yeah. So I know a fair amount of your hunting history, but give the listeners just a quick rundown of kind of how you got into hunting and maybe how that changed a few years back once you met Jeff and Elena. So I was big into, I really wasn't big into the whitetail until basically I met Jeff and Elena and obviously dated Elena and we just kind of, I mean, really got into the hunting, the whitetails and I'd done a lot of bird hunting, pheasants, duck, goose. And as soon as I picked up the bow, it was basically, I haven't touched the, the shotgun since. So I've definitely probably about four years now. And I know that first year, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was out there like almost every day. <laughs> and that really rolled into doing the, uh, the shed hunting. And I'd say from doing that, that I learned more about actual whitetail hunting and like kind of your age class of deer, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I really, and I obviously hunt Minnesota, North Dakota and occasionally Montana, but yeah, that's my hunting in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. So when we went on the trip, that was like your second or third, like hard season of deer hunting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably my going into my third, I'd say. And that year I'd actually, I actually tripled that year. I got my Minnesota tag filled nice little one fifteen, actually right up there, little eight pointer, um, North Dakota, you were actually with on that trip, which was kind of just a, well, you've met out one or two times with, with us bow hunting in North Dakota and on one of the trips you just happened to be with. And I got my nice over on the wall over there, a uh, little 120, high 20s, eight pointer. And then we went out to Montana and we're lucky enough to both fill that, those tags. So, yeah, it, the, the North Dakota whitetail hunt was funny because it was, I don't think it was opener, but it was opening weekend, and I was doing some stuff mm-hmm. back home. I came into town. I had Monday off. I texted Jeff, and I was like, hey, you want to go bow hunting? You can pick me up on the way out. Cause, and he's like, well, that's right. not really on the way, but I'll pick you up. And so me and him rode out together. Then you and Elena went – or you went alone, I think. Elena was with 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 the kids, and uh, Jeff texted me and goes, sounds like Bryce shot a buck. And I'm like, no, come on. We're like, we're like first hunt in of the season on public land. Like there's no way it happened that fast, that easy. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure he shot a buck. And I'm like, well, did he? and then I'm like, well, did he recover it yet? Like, it's not really shot until it's got, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, it looks pretty good. And I'm like, awesome. Like, let's go get this thing. Like that never right. happens. Bow hunting for me. First night out, take out on a great buck. That was that was crazy. I actually pulled off a different deer that I was pretty dead set on. I did like a month and a half of scouting this one deer and I hunted him the first three days of the season. 
And the day before the season started, I actually was up with Elaine and Jeff and it, obviously a different area that they kind of hunt. Um, and so I'd gone up there and did a little scouting and I saw this deer out and I was like, you know, I just feel like I should pull off and go after this one. And they thought I was crazy because I mean, the other, the first deer I was after was maybe one thirties. He just kind of had some cool characteristics, fuse base G2 and stuff. And I mean, it would have been a really nice buck, but, uh, I just kind of pulled off and it was just a, it was really on a whim because you guys had been out there hunting since like five o'clock and I was actually working with Elena's youngest brother, Sean, who's Jeff's brother. Um, but I was working with him and wasn't really like thinking of hunting that night. And since you guys were up there, I was like, well, we could kind of go scouting quick. And like, well, I do have the bow in the truck and we got up there, it was seven o'clock and I'm walking out and into the field at seven o'clock and sunsets, maybe seven forty-five, and I'm walking into the field. <laughs> I got out to my spot pretty much just as he kind of was coming out and it just was lucky that everything lined up then, but yeah, it was definitely, <laughs> definitely a crazy early season experience. That's for sure. Yeah, I was not expecting, I was taking, I think I was taking pictures with my camera of like a little spiker as Jeff's texted mm-hmm. me that you shot a buck and I'm like, well, man, I've really picked the wrong spot to go sit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, no, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it wasn't much of a track job. I mean, from where you shot him to where he went down, I don't know, 40, 50 yards, maybe. I was pretty much, I was at the point where I was kind of questioning Cause I, I had watched him go into the, into the little marsh where he ended up expiring. And I, from there thought that he, cause he looked back at me right then. And I thought he was just going to continue on. So I was like kind of questioning, where did I hit him? Was it a good shot? Was, you know, a million things go through your mind after you shoot. And lucky enough that we pressed on another five or 10 yards. Cause I was getting to that point where I was like, well, maybe we should back out for the night and come back in the morning. But we stumbled on him like 10 feet later and yeah, we ended up getting him. Yeah. It was a great buck. Uh, had the big camera there. So we took some good pictures, had the whole family there by the time we went after him. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff, uh, carried most of, carried him out on his back <laughs> for most of the, what half mile. <laughs> yeah, that was, I don't know if I'll be doing that anytime soon, but yeah, he, threw him up on his shoulders and hiked him out for quite a ways. Which is funny because that buck field dressed probably wasn't much lighter than Jeff on the hoof. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. And so when did you shoot your Minnesota buck that year? Was it with a bow or was that during the rifle season? I was close to that particular one like three or four times with my bow and I was just kind of on the fence because he's – He's nice, but he's not like, I mean, when we do our scouting and shed hunting, we're trying to get those four and a half, five, six-year-olds that, you know, one in in a million type deer. But uh, obviously knew the Montana trip was coming up and I'd been close enough to this one a handful of times. It was actually opening rifle and he walked by about 930 in the morning and I was able to take him then, but we went on our trip about a week later 
something like that. Yeah, it was a wild. It was a it was a wild fall for me because that fall I had ten tags across mm-hmm. the west, and I had a fiance that was living, uh, doing residency in Minnesota, four hours away. And worked every other weekend. So I was like, well, I'll come see you every weekend you're off, and then I'll find time for these 10 tags in the rest of the fall. And uh, so it was busy. I remember getting home, like, six hours, packed, went to bed, woke up. You know, we left in the afternoon, I think. I can't remember what the details are, but I remember it was a short turnaround from our firearm deer camp to to heading out to Montana. And I remember us talking all fall, like, leading up to that trip, getting ready, kind of talking about, you know, what kind of bucks we were looking for. And I remember you said, well, I'm looking for a 170. And I'm like, well, I would love a 172, but I just want to be level with you. We're not going to find a 170. I don't <laughs> think we're going to find a 170. And you're like, right. oh, really? Like, that's kind of a bummer. And he's like, well, like, like that size buck? And I had a deadhead in my office. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's like a 125. So if you're looking for that, we'll find that. But it's so hard when you look at mule deer for the first time because they're shaped so differently. You can't really just look at, like, like you and I can look at a whitetail and we can be within five inches. You can't right. just assume that on a mule deer. Like, oh, that's, you know, right. like those 130, 140 looks like a 170 whitetail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Definitely different scoring and different just the way they add up the points and stuff. It's just... I don't know. I still don't even understand it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's it gets pretty – it gets Western, for lack of a better word. Um, right. And we went to southeast Montana. It's no secret. It's not a secret spot from what you and I discovered. We were both probably yeah. a little too optimistic for um, what we were going to find. Uh, and, like, we knew there was going to be people. We knew there was going to be some pressure. But we figured we could outwork them because, we. I mean, we did hunt hard. We didn't slack by any means. But what did right. you think of just, like, driving out there, finding camp, and, like, that first, like, not even the hunt yet, but just getting there? Well, I think if anybody hasn't been to southeast Montana, they should definitely take a trip because that was definitely, it was almost like a detriment to try to fill your tag at the same time as being in just the landscape, just how pretty it is out there and just crazy, I mean, Honestly, you drive 10 miles any direction and the landscape just completely changes too. So that part was pretty cool. Um, I mean, that was just, you say it was, not going to say it was a detriment, but it was like almost one of those feelings where you're like, ah, oh, I really wish I could just kind of go explore and do all this stuff. And at the same time, you're trying to fill your tag and, and then you pull up to every parking spot of every public piece of land around there and there's 10 vehicles and <laughs> guys all over the place. It's like, well, it's going to be a little tougher than we had anticipated, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember morning one, we decided we didn't want to walk anywhere in the dark because we've never been here before. Like, let's just walk in like first light. That way we're not walking mm-hmm. past anything. So we make breakfast and everything, obviously, in the dark, and we got out of our little spot we were camping, and we were seeing so many deer on the main road that we kept stopping to check, like, is that a meal there? Is that a meal there? And then it was, I mean, it was all private anyway, so we really just burned yep. time. And we decide we're going to go to this. I don't know why we decided we're going to go to this BMA piece. I don't know if it was because I could shoot a cow elk, and there I think it, yeah, potentially was, was some elk in that area. Yeah. 
So we get to the we get to the first BMA spot. We park the truck, and I'm this whole time. I feel I felt like I needed to take on like the role of like not really a guide, but just like the mentor of of like this is probably how it's going to go down, and just set expectations. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like Bryce, this is uh, it's going to be a challenging hunt. I think you were really optimistic, like really excited and eager, and I was kind of cautioning restraint and like this is going to be tough like (laughs) don't don't pass something on the first day that you would shoot on the last day you know we're not at that this isn't the hunt to do that sometimes you get a tag where it's like no I'm going to really be picky and and do the hunt justice this was not that tag and so I kept telling him that and Bryce like no I got it I'm I'm good I I know I know yep well I'm sure and and I'm like all right cool and so we got to that first spot and I was thinking we're gonna have to work hard to find a buck. How long did it take us before we found that first deer? Well, I just want to say that I, I feel like you should have probably led on before we even got to that place saying that you shouldn't pass any, any buck that you'd shoot on the last day on the first day. <laughs> I thought I told you that. Yeah. Five, not even, not even five minutes out of the truck, probably two, two minutes out of the we truck. Could we could still got see the, the truck guns for loaded sure. up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we could got still the guns see the loaded up. Look, over this little bluff 200 yards from the truck and well there's a nice little four by four little four by four probably two-year-old but anyways it was like well as soon as we had kind of i mean we had plenty of opportunities i always had plenty of opportunities to to take him i think he gave us two or three decent angles to actually shoot him and then we went to the the gas station for lunch and <laughs> ran into the DNR officer. He tells us that we're not going to see any four by fours. We're going to have a really tough time seeing any decent, decent uh, mule deer bucks, like just in general. And boy, were we kicking ourselves then? <laughs> well, I never all worked I, out, but I yeah. saw that deer. I saw that first buck. I don't even know if I saw the buck or I saw the doe. I definitely did not see the antlers because you were walking first. And mm-hmm. I intentionally wanted you to walk first to try to get first shot. Cause I, at this point I already shot two mule deer. And so you saw it and you seemed excited and I'm like, great, like, let's go after this deer. And we worked that deer for probably half an hour. <laughs> I mean, right. by the time he went up and over, then we went around and you got set up and mm-hmm. moved down. And I was like that by this point, I'm staying way back. Cause I don't want to blow it for you. And at one point right. you're set up like safety off looking through your scope oh. I was on him for minutes and I, I kept looking back at you cause I thought you were looking at him and I was like waiting to see like, is it a good one? Like, is this, do I pull the trigger? Cause I couldn't quite get a good read on him. He had just little baby forks at the top and I'm like, he's nice, but you know, we watched too many YouTube videos before he we went there and <laughs> <laughs> saw these, uh, yeah, not the, uh, average size mule deer, but yeah, so it definitely was, I mean, had I done the trip over again, I probably would have taken him just after we kind of got going and the, the pressure was as crazy as it was that everywhere had, you know, people at every single parking area on every single entrance that you could go into these public pieces. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure. I mean, I really thought yeah. you were going to shoot that deer based on like what I was, I, what I thought I was telling you. Like, don't, mm-hmm. you know, shoot the first thing that makes you happy. Like, no pressure. You can shoot whatever you want on this hunt. 
I put my earbuds in. I was that confident you were going to shoot the thing that I put my <laughs> earbuds in, and I was like 40 yards away. Um, and then we saw, you know, that we you decided to let that one go. You know, we'll find a better one. I'm like, all right. I, I didn't see it. I have no idea what it was. I couldn't tell how big right. it was. Trust you. Um, found a little forky back in there. And mm-hmm. then it's like, you know, at that point, we're feeling pretty good. Like five minutes out of the truck, found a 4 by 4 found another little buck. Like rock solid, right? right? Mm-hmm. Then we went to that gas station, and the DNR said, it's been, <laughs> it's the worst three oh. years of hunting I've ever seen out here. I haven't even seen a 4 by 4 this year. You're not going to find one. You'll be lucky to see a buck on public. And we're like, way to make us feel good. Like, Boy, the, did we get crushed. <laughs> he was the downer police. Yeah. Not putting him in charge of Camp Morale. Um, what did we do that evening? I mean, we went and checked out some spot. I mean, a lot of the trip, we were, it was our first time to this spot for either one of us. So a lot of the trip was right. driving around checking areas. Yep. And then. Yeah, we, we scouted the rest that night, I think. And just tried to kind of get a lay of the land and get things a little more set up at camp and stuff. And I think that's when it that evening is when it really started to dawn on us how much pressure there was going to be on that mm-hmm. that main road where there was trucks everywhere. And every time we tried to go somewhere to scout, there'd be trucks, 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 giant whitetails mm-hmm. off the side of the road and in, in private, but trucks oh, on everywhere. The, yeah, the private. <laughs> yeah, that what was it like that one fifty eight pointer we almost hit with the truck? No, oh, yeah. There was some, there was actually some pretty nice whitetails down there, but yeah, you know, all on private. So we get back to camp that night, and we decide like we're going back to kill that buck this morning. Like we're not taking any chances. <laughs> get up super early the next morning, go right back to the spot. Someone beats us there. There's a there's a truck right. parked. We hope he went right. Turns out he went left, and I thought hopefully it's been long enough now that you're not super salty about it anymore. But I really thought you were going to rip my head off when I told you we had to back out because that guy was was there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just one of those things that stinks. But, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, that did suck. That really did suck. That, you know, because the day before we were there like hours later and no one was at that spot. And then mm-hmm. first light, there was already someone rolled up. Right. Yeah, that's how it goes. Public land. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, that was the moral of the story there. Um, mm-hmm. I was. It was also super hot that first day and a half, two days. I mean, mm-hmm. I was sweating at night. And you said the heater yeah. was, like, acting up. And I'm like, fine, so be it. I don't want the heater on. <laughs> like, it is way too hot. Um, right. But then finally... We started really having to expand the horizons. I mean, we were burning spots left and right. Couldn't find any deer to mm-hmm. save our. We we couldn't buy a doe, much less a buck we were interested in on public. Right. Um, yeah, it definitely got to be pretty sparse as far as anything we were seeing. Yeah. What were you, so? I think we we started big and bigger and bigger circles, and at at one point, like day two or day three, we were just like, you know what? Like, let's just move. Let's just go way off in a different direction. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I think you were looking at the map pretty hard and like, okay, well, this big X doesn't work. This big X doesn't work. Like, let's try over there. I'm like, dude, there's a lot mm-hmm. of public land over there. Like, it's different country. That's for sure. It's not the right. same stuff we've been hunting where we can't really. Well, wait, we got to back up a little bit. I think it was day two. We were sitting up on a windy ridge and you almost got trampled. 
I think it was day three. That was it was when we when we went to that new area basically. And yeah, that was that was like sixty or seventy mile an hour. Like no, that was day three. Coming. I'm talking day two. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what you're. Yeah. When I met up with okay. those other hunters and was talking to them, and you literally yep. almost got blindsided, like ran over from behind. Yep. yep, I was sitting on top of this ridge, and a buck and a doe came up and over, and nothing crazy big, but I five feet away from them, and they just up and over the ridge as I'm coming right to them, and <laughs> they went on their merry way. I was like, well, I. <laughs> I guess there's actually deer here, but yeah, not the, not the size we're looking for, for sure. But well, at that point yeah, in the hunt, would, were you ready to just like open season on the first legal buck? I was pretty close. I also get pretty bad attitudes when I start having, you know, the luck we were having <laughs> and, the, and the pressure that we were seeing. It's like, ah. Uh, you mean, Maybe I just need to pull that little itchy trigger finger and, and get this over with. <laughs> you mean the lack of luck we were having? I mean, we, yeah. other than that first deer, we that was the end of our luck. Yeah, on public land at least. I mean, we were seeing them all over private, driving around, seeing them everywhere, but yeah, not on not on public. Yeah, so we went, we went to the completely new area day three. So it was a four-day hunt. Mm-hmm. We had four days to get this done. Because I had to be back. I can't remember what was going on. I think it was, well, it was Thanksgiving, was it? No. It was a week before Thanksgiving. I think you had a, yeah, I don't know what you had, but something going on. I had to get back to the cities. you had to, to go cities. down to the cities or something. I had to get, I was, that was one of the weekends and we had plans. I had to get to the cities for something on that Friday. Yep. So we were going to do Monday through Thursday. And I, this whole time I'm telling Bryce all summer long, like, you know, I think we should go Monday through Thursday because the most pressure is going to be on Saturday and Sunday. Well, Man, mm-hmm. if that was how much pressure was Monday through Thursday, I don't even <laughs> want to see what that unit looks like on a weekend. No, that was just insane. And so day three, we knew the weather was going to suck. There was like a front moving in. It was windier than a hurricane. And so we're like, this is probably going to be a big scouting day, right? right? And so we go to this whole new area. We get there kind of early, right? We we did most of the driving at night. We wanted to get there at first light. I mean, the way the natural, the natural way of the habitat, you did a lot. You almost got more use driving than walking for covering mm-hmm. ground and just seeing where deer are. And that was kind of our plan. We were going to drive around until we start seeing some deer, and then we were going to park and walk. And so we see this forky running across. We see, it was a pretty good sized fork. I mean, he was obviously a year and a half old, but at least mm-hmm. he was bigger than the, I think he was bigger than the one that almost trampled you. Right. And this is now we're at two and a half days of not seeing any deer. And you're like, I look at you and I'm like, you want to shoot him? And you're like, F it. Like you kind of had that F it mentality <laughs> at that point. Like let's, I'm ready to punch a tag and, and turn this, yep. this caravan back homeward. And so I let you yep. out and this, it was, it was funny because there was not an inch of grass anywhere in this area. Like it was that dry and grazed. There was no cover. Mm-hmm. And so I told you, I'm like, hey, Bryce, if you walk right over the top of that hill, he's going to see you immediately. If I were you and you really want to shoot this deer, I would crawl. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yep. logical, makes sense. Got it. I'll crawl. And so you crawl up and over, and then I stay back. So tell us about that What the, that little 15 minutes of fame there. Oh, yeah, that uh, nice 
crawl through the cactuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't really seen many of those until I put my hand in, you know, a nice plump cactus. And as I'm about to get on the deer to take a shot, and it probably was for a reason, because as soon as I did that, he uh, hightailed it out of there from some other guys that were alongside the road. And, well, at, at that point, we at least knew because we had that deer and I think we had seen another one as we had gotten over that ridge. Um, I don't think it was anything of any crazy size, but it was just at least, at least we were kind of getting into the deer at that point. So we kind of just from that point was like, well, all right, we kind of know this might be worth coming back to. I mean, I remember obviously our yeah. standards were pretty low at that point. So <laughs> I was thinking I'm going to let Bryce shoot first. I'm going to let him shoot whatever he wants. I think he's probably going to shoot faster than I will. Like, like your bar was probably at that, like green, everything's green lit right now. I was still mm-hmm. kind of at like a yellow, like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to shoot a, a year, a one year old buck, but I sure wouldn't want to stand in front of me too long either. <laughs> and uh but i remember when you stood up after that stock and turned around and looked at me i knew something happened because you looked so disappointed in the advice you were given <laughs> you had you walked back to me and you had cactuses in your knees and you had cactuses in your hands and your gloves were full of cactus needles <laughs> i bet you still haven't worn those gloves again no i really i think i've done it one time and still found needles so yeah it's They've been pretty well retired since then. That was that one was completely on me. I did not tell you about the cactuses. <laughs> I figured that it's common sense to look down when you're crawling around out in the west because there's rattlesnakes, and then you happen to also mm-hmm. see the cactus when you do that. Um, but I, so I forgot to mention that part. So that part's on me. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. That's for sure. I definitely wasn't even. I don't know. I because obviously we'd seen them out there, but. Only thing that was on my mind was crawling up to that deer and getting a little poke at him. And no, that definitely was not going to be as easy as crawling up there. That's for sure. I I was impressed that you kept crawling after you hit the cactus and didn't just say, you know what, this is stupid. (laughs) Well, I did stop for a couple seconds, maybe a minute or so when I ripped the glove off and (laughs) pulled the needles out of my hand. So that was... I feel almost guilty because I was sitting, I was standing by the truck. The way the hill went up and over, I was just standing. The, no, nobody could see me. I had my hands tucked behind my bino harness, warming them up. It's kind of windy. I'm just <laughs> watching this whole thing go down. And there's Brett or Bryce up across the bridge getting blasted with wind, crawling through cactuses. Mm-hmm. Hunters bust his deer for him. Just not a swell time. Not a not yeah. a real fun 15 minutes. But you're right. <laughs> We were starting to see some deer, so the plan was find mm-hmm. some deer, park the truck, let's get out. And, sp- and now at this point, we're like, all right, we need to start splitting up. We need to cover ground. So mm-hmm. I think I think the way it went is I said, all right, you might as well like hit this area because there's two bucks in here that sounds like you would shoot for sure. I'll just let mm-hmm. you have that. I'll find a different – I'll bump down a ways, see what's over there. I didn't find any. I found a couple sheds and a fox, and that's about it. You know, I was out there shed mm-hmm. hunting. And uh, <laughs> and I come around a point, and I just see, you know, the used car salesman balloon going wild up on top of a hill, you know. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, Bryce is there waving his arms. I'm like, all right, well, something happened. I better get over there. And so, <laughs> so what happened after we split up that day? Well, 
after uh, after we uh, split up, I basically, I mean, I was, I, go, I basically went over this ridge and kind of walked down this valley, and the wind is just ripping, rolling right up this whole valley, and like it had to have been sixty mile an hour gusts, maybe even more, like to the point where you can't even open your eyelids and like blink is how bad it's coming up there. And anyways, I had like, I mean, obviously had a, uh, a ridge on one side, ridge on the other, because I was walking down the valley and I decided to kind of go up and over the one ridge just to check what was on the other side, just because I mean, we're in the deer and we'd seen them all morning. And so I went over this ridge and I got 10 feet from the top and I bumped a buck, a good buck. And it was actually the buck that Brian had ended up taking the next day. Um, but I got down and this buck was basically walking away from me. And I took, I think, three shots at him. I think I actually took two because one of my rounds misfired or malfunctioned. Um, but I couldn't tell where my bullets were going. All I knew was I wasn't even close to hitting them at 200 yards, which is pretty surprising for, I mean, my gun, every other deer I've shot has been just basically fell over. So I, well, I can to only be, think that the, uh, the well, to be fair, definitely, you jumped yeah. him at 10 feet. He ran down the hill. You had to get there. Mm-hmm. By the time you got there, he was walking, but it's still 60 yeah. mile an hour winds. Yeah, man. 200 yards shooting down at him and obviously didn't get him. Tried calling Brian, and his phone was, I think it was on airplane mode. <laughs> so I'm calling you, trying to get either you over there, because you're probably a mile plus away from me, or get back to the truck to grab my other clip, because we weren't really planning on, obviously, I didn't really plan too well that I had left my other clips in the truck, and yeah. So I ended up meeting up with him, and and we tried to go after him once we got, once I met up with Brian, we went back over to where I had shot from. And I'm like, he's literally walking away. His back legs all messed up. And I mean, it was one of those things that rather, you know, take that deer specifically because he's injured. And, you know, and not only that, the fact that he's, you know, a good buck and, and we've literally seen like a handful of forks and that one nice four by four that we've, actually been hunting so we didn't end up catching up with him later that night but well yeah because you i finally got up to you and i'm like did you shoot something Mm -hmm. or what's up and you're like and you're breathing heavy you were running around you're excited i'm like dude there's a big buck in here like the biggest buck we've seen so far and so i'm starting to get interested and you're like i shot but i mean so you know effing windy and you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I ran out of bullets. I'm like, what do you mean he ran out of bullets? He's like, I, I, one was a misfire. Two, I did shot twice. And I'm like, well, don't you have spares in your pack? And he goes, no. And I'm like, well, like you got to throw in a spare box of bullets in your backpack. Um, but I had some. And I'm like, well, we could walk back to the truck. But it, the way it, this buck was behaving, you we were mm-hmm. both confident. Like he went into this draw. It's a washout draw, like one of those flat ones with like a 10-foot drop into the bottom-bottom, and he should be like in the first cut. Like he should be right there. He was was hurting. He wasn't moving fast. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, you you mind if I just go in after him? Like I got ammo. We're right here. We don't don't have Mm -hmm. to wait. 
And so you were like, well, sure, I guess. I mean, I kind of wanted to shoot him, but go for it. <laughs> and so I start walking. I, you know, walk, crawl, get to the spot. I'm starting to walk around this thing. And I felt like I had, well, I felt like I had the very wrong rifle for this whole operation. Because I have a 13 and a half pound chassis rifle with a 28 and a half inch barrel plus a two inch brake. My scope is huge. Like it's a five to 25 power scope. And here I am trying to like clear corners and work this draw and nothing is farther than like 20 feet. And so Mm -hmm. even at five power, I can like, I'm (laughs) hold and my arms started getting tired because this gun is so heavy and it's still, I have the, I have the bipod on it. So it's like way out front too, like front heavy. (laughs) And so I, I don't know, what was it? An hour. I worked this entire draw all the way down to the private. Didn't even see a whisper of a deer. So I don't know where this, this Houdini buck went, but he just disappeared. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty depressing. Like we thought it was a slam dunk. Cause there was, cause you'd work that down towards the private, and then there was the other draw going north, or it would have been south. That we were like, well, he's probably in there. It was a bigger draw, and we just, I think we were getting close to lunch or something like that. So we just decided to kind of pull out for now and try to come back in the evening and either do that or try to find a new area. And I think, well, that's we when we found that group of. What was it? Four brothers from like Louisiana or some way off place. So there's four guys tenting it from middle. I mean, I don't think they were all from the same state, but none of them were even close to Montana. Right. And they had, I think it was like a Toyota Tundra or something, but this thing was packed to the gills (laughs) with all their camping gear and their tents. But what we noticed was they had four skinned out bucks like four euros in camp laying there and so mm-hmm. like we're like we have to stop and talk to them like they're tagged out they're clearly packing up like maybe they'll give us some intel so we talked to them they're super nice guys they seem like they shot i think there was a yearling and then there's like maybe a couple two-year-olds and then maybe like one three-year-old so nothing crazy but they were tagged out and so we right. started talking to them and they said yeah we went all the way around to this like crazy spot way back right like they were way back in there and we shot three bucks last night and we're like are you serious like we've been hunting all week and we haven't even seen three bucks on private and you Mm -hmm. guys shot three bucks in one night and they're like yeah but dude like it's been tough for us to like we're probably not coming back for a few years and so we like like you said we decided to go out grab some lunch and it's like well we might as well hit the spot that apparently is loaded with deer right so yeah, that turned into a nice long hike, that's for sure. <laughs> I remember that was such a long, well, just the drive. Like, anyone that's hunted the mountains was, knows that mountain roads suck. But for the, like, it wasn't like we were in the mountains. Like, we were in the hills. Like, southeast Montana is mm-hmm. more the hills. But it still took us, like, an hour and a half to get back to the spot. Probably two hours, at least, back to camp. Yeah. Um, we park in the spot. It looks good. Right? It looks remote. looks like there's plenty of habitat. We walked right. up on all the bucks they shot, the gut piles. But it basically turned into four miles of us, like, splitting up and just. I, I think you saw a doe. <laughs> I actually had a, I had a spike, a real small spike, oh, like a okay. four-inch spike at 15 feet. 
he was so close that I put my crosshair on him and I couldn't see anything but his front shoulder. <laughs> oh, I, and I clicked my safety off and I'm just looking at him and I'm just really <laughs> thinking like, do I want to shoot this or not? And I'm, I'm oh, playing the no. scenarios through my head. I'm like, it would be meat. It'd probably be the best mule deer meat because he's a young buck. Right. I don't feel like I need to shoot a big buck, but I, so it's like, it's not like the ego is not going to let me shoot this because it's not big enough. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I was like, I also don't need to shoot a little buck. And if I shoot this tonight, then I'm signing Bryce up for a lot of work. We're going to be here a while. We got to quarter it, pack it all. Like it's going to be a super late night. And then, you know, that's probably going to spill into tomorrow morning. Probably won't get the earliest start. Um, and so I let him go. I mean, I was, we, we met, we introduced each other. To, I mean, I heard this deer's life story. Like that's how long the spike stood in front of me <laughs> that I was watching in my scope. And we did some miles in that spot. Right. Um, I don't know. I think I was at like five or six miles just in that one spot alone. Yeah. I'm sure I was probably pretty, pretty close to the same. And I think the worst part was towards the end of the, the hunt that day, seeing the vehicles driving through the Canyon roads and stuff. And we're just sitting there like, well, we really can't get away from anything. I mean, <laughs> we're literally two and a half, maybe two hours from, from camp. And it's just still have people driving by. I think there was a UTV that flew by at one point. It's like, and you're talking like, what do we have to do? People driving, off road, like where we were told, and like where the rules say you're not supposed to drive, and there's still yep. people driving around, and right. that's when we were really like, we're trying to play it by the book. We didn't go off road, and and here's people just driving everywhere they want to drive. Yeah, at that point, it was pretty demoralizing just seeing all the the pressure everywhere, everywhere we went. It's just mounting up until. We hit day four, that's for sure. Day four was our last prayer. We had a cold front. We had, At this point, we had fixed the heater in the camper. It ran out of propane, and day the morning of day three was a chilly start. It was the opposite of day one. Day one, I mm-hmm. woke up in a puddle of sweat. Day three, I was froze. And I had a warm sleeping bag, so I was doing all right. But I remember <laughs> you had a lot of faith in the heater because you had, like, two really light blankets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the heater, the dang propane valve was leaking and and went empty on us. So that was something that was unexpected that, I mean, this is the camper that we had been camping in for the last two years. And, I mean, we we probably spent, you know, 45 nights using the heater. And so we never had that issue going into into the trip. So it's one of those unexpected things that you just... Especially that one, you don't really like to find out. Yeah, I will say it's there's something weird. Like There's a weird feeling when you go on a western hunt and someone else is bringing like, the trailer or the camper. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, yeah, I got the camper. I'll bring the camper. And you, I mean, I've seen it before. I knew what you had. It, you know, you bought it. It was a little older. It was a great deal. It was a project camper. Mm-hmm. You guys have flipped it, turned it into an amazing hunting rig. But it's still like, mm-hmm. what, a 2001 camper? Yeah, it's a 98. 98. And so I'm like, I don't want to, like, be overbearing, but I'm like, 
you know, when was the last time you looked at the bearings and, you know, how right. do the tires look? <laughs> and I'm not trying to ask all these questions because it's like, I have no idea. I did go through them. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we did about everything yeah. else on that road out, but we didn't break right. any tires, which is phenomenal. Um, my right. dad just bought a brand new fifth wheel, by the way, a little tangent, brand new 2023 mm. Ex- tire exploded, taking it oh, to the geez. resort. Like this thing has zero oh, miles on it. And the tire, Ooh. like catastrophic explosion, like the whole, ri- like the whole rubber just, boom. yeah, that's crazy. So I guess my logic doesn't necessarily make sense. Cause the new ones popped you too, but I, I, that was a little bit nerve-wracking for me. It's probably the opposite. Like, man, this guy thinks he knows everything. He's got the spot figured out. I have no idea what we're getting myself into, but I got the camper, you know. <laughs> so Got something. <laughs> yeah. Day four comes. We got a cold front. We have calm weather. Mm-hmm. We are both like, let's just see if we can get one on the ground today. That's mm-hmm. the, the goal of the day is to get one on the ground. Right. We get there super early. We break up. I'll, I go south, you go north, or I think, I don't know, I guess I don't even know which directions the roads were. You know, you went one way, I went the other. Mm-hmm. I had seen some bucks, I glassed some bucks, or not bucks, deer, um, and I, it was kind of like these mounds, I don't know, there's mounds everywhere. So I'd see like, in a, I'd see them go through a gap, but then I'd have to run down and run up and run down to see them again. Mm-hmm. Turns out they were all does, that's a bummer. So I run around for a few hours chasing does, and... Don't have any luck, so I'm going to head back to the truck, see what Bryce has been up to. So I walk up. You beat me to the truck. So I had a little bit of different morning that day. Um, just to give you a little background, we went back basically to that spot that we had bumped that injured deer on day three. Um, and I kind of set up on... Well, it was the ridge that I bumped him off of, and I just set up right there. I'm like, you know, if if he's still in the area from this point, I should be able to at least see him. If not, I mean, I can see I could see out, you know, a mile, pretty much any direction except for I think back to the east. So I could see north, uh, west, and and south pretty well. Um, and then I had that little draw area too that I was kind of able to see down into. Um, and that area ended up being the ticket then. Um, so it, I mean, it was kind of a slow morning right away. And then all of a sudden I think sun came up and it was just, I mean, I, I was glassing like probably 15 deer down in this draw. And I could see one was a pretty good buck. And so I'm all excited. I got my gun, got get backpack loaded back up. And I started walking out, heading over towards him. Cause I think I was 12 or 1300 yards away. So quite a ways. And so I actually get down, I worked my way off the ridge and I'm walking kind of on flat ground towards the, the little ravine area. And I'm walking over towards him. And I actually get into a foot race with two other hunters that are probably about a thousand yards behind me. And they were coming, they saw this buck and they were coming the whole way with me and still way behind. And were those the guys on the, point on like that, the road? They parked on the road? Yep. They I parked th- on the road. I think and they, they were going off away a, the deer. I think they were going off a they, different buck. Yeah. I think they were going yep. after. I had seen a buck on your side of the road. And I figured, like, okay, I've been watching this buck for a half hour now. 
Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to go shoot him, but I can't see you, and this buck's still standing there. It's been a half hour, so Bryce must not be going after him. So I'll right. go after him. So I run. I'm working my way as fast as I can. I get down in the bottom of the cut so I don't have to worry about getting seen. I get to the road. I'm like 100 yards from the road, and that truck rolls up, stops right in front of me. They don't see me. They get out on yeah. their side and go after that buck. So it sounds like they might not have been going after the same one as you. Maybe they were. So I think what happened was that initially they were going after that other buck. Okay. And then they got up to that ravine and they didn't really check it, but they could see the buck that, that was dogging the doe that I was going after. And so then they ended up just jumping ship and actually trying to foot race me or, Did or they, something. So they to, could clearly see you. Oh, hundred percent. I'm out there, blaze orange, everything walking on top of the ravine, walking right to the buck and, and they just kept walking. So I don't know if they were <laughs> trying to spook him or trying to get the second shot. If I, if I didn't drop him. Um, but anyways, I mean, I glassed him or I ranged him actually after I had shot and they were 500 yards from me still working the direction that that buck was in. But I mean, I had already shot him and, and got him. I, how far of a shot was it? How far of a shot was your buck at? I think it was just under 200 yards. I had just, I had to cross the ravine to get like to where they kind of were at. Cause the ravine kind of got funky down in that area where it kind of branched into like a bunch of different channels. <laughs> and so I had crossed from the one side over, came up kind of in this like middle ravine Island. And no sooner I saw the buck and the doe and they were actually coming towards me initially. And it was a good thing that that buck was dogging that doe because I no longer got the tripod set up and put the gun on and the doe kind of, and she silhouetted me because the sun was coming up behind me. And so she turns off the one way and he's still following her, you know, 15 feet behind her. And I got on him and I think he stopped for a split second and I ended up taking, well, this buck right here. So nothing crazy, nice little two-year-old, but I mean, I was more than happy to take after, after the hunting that we had and the pressure that we were seeing everywhere and the drought conditions. I mean, it was, it was definitely nice to, to get on something finally and, and have him have him go down. So, so, so I yeah, got from that point. Yeah. So I get back to the truck. Bryce is standing there <laughs> and I can tell he's like trying to fight back a shit eating grin. And so I'm thinking, yeah. like, something in my gut just, like, and you were doing a pretty good job. I mean, you can keep a pretty straight face when you want to. Right. Like, and that's kind of your sense of humor. And so, mm -hmm. but something in my gut told me, just, like, the way you were standing and, like, walking around told me, like, <laughs> did he shoot something? But it's dead right. calm. Dead calm. And we're not that far apart. I'm like, mm -hmm. I didn't hear a single shot this morning. There's no mm -hmm. way. And I'm like, did you shoot? And you go, no. And I'm like, oh, Really? And then he threw an empty shell at me. And I'm like, you did shoot. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, he's down. I'm like, no shit. So yeah. you're like telling me where he is. And I'm like, are you sure he's not on private? And he's like, and you're like, no, he's not on private. And I'm like, all right. So we start walking. And you're, mm -hmm. you're bringing me in there. And I'm looking at my Onyx. And I'm like, we are getting very, very close to private. Right. And, and sure enough, you had shot him, what, 20 yards into the public. And then he toppled down a hill and landed like what two feet 
on the private line? Yeah, like just barely. And so you're getting ready to take pictures and stuff. I'm like, Bryce, we really need to pull this buck over here like 10 feet. And you're like, really? You think so? And I'm like, I, I mean, yeah, let's just do it just to be safe, mm-hmm. right? So we pull the buck over. We take the pictures. Um, I think as we were taking pictures, two guys walk up to us. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, we are so close to the private. I know what this con- – they're walking up to us from the private. And, right. and we're like, I know what this conversation is going to be. And you're like, what do we want to do? And I'm like, I'll, I'll handle it. So they come up, and I felt like they came a little hot and heavy on the, the questioning, right? Like, mm-hmm. you guys know you're on private? And I, and I had instantly said, no, you're on private. We're on public. <laughs> and I said, the line is right here. And he goes, yep. huh? And I looked at my – I pulled him up my phone, and I'm like, see, this is us. This is you. Here's the line. And they immediately changed their tune. They're like, right. oh, well, just nice to know you guys are doing it the right way. We've had a lot of problems. And, I mean, then they're like mm-hmm. our best friends. But well, and they, I mean, you could see the public signs too on, on both sides of the ravine and, and the hill that I had shot him off of. It was pretty clear that it was right on public. And yeah, so it was nice to see that they, I mean, changed their demeanor, everything. They were all happy and, and they hadn't seen much for, for deer activity. I think they'd been there a couple days cause this was their, their lease that they were hunting. Yeah. And so it was, I mean, they came over, checked the deer out. They were, I mean, happy for us, and so it was nice to see that. But yeah, yeah it was definitely an interesting experience. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So after that, we did the the quartering. We did the gutless method, which I think is the first time you had ever seen it. I've been telling you and Jeff for like two years at this point. Like when you guys shoot these bucks way back in here, you guys should just do the gutless method and not have to mm-hmm. carry them out on your back a half a mile. So what did you think of how that like the the gutless method and the quartering and packing them out went compared to like dragging whitetails. Cause you guys have shot whitetails farther away from the truck than that buck died. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, we were back to the truck. We were a mile from the truck and after we had them quartered out and everything, we walked back to the truck in not even a half hour. So if you're going to try to drag a deer with your gun, your pack, all that stuff we might have left i think we did leave the guns in the truck or maybe i did um but yeah it's it's definitely a lot easier than than dragging them i'll say that much and that <laughs> would have been even, the perfect ground don't even to know drag it's a there. Buck. right yeah. yeah you don't even know the weights there so that was that was nice to i mean it was similar to how we'd basically skin them out once we did get them back to the garage and get them strung up but uh yeah it was just a little different going to kind of the the sockets and getting them off of the each limb basically off of the the socket that it's in and stuff yeah but yeah it it i mean i shot a whitetail one time 300 yards he died 300 yards on the road i mean flat just like that same stuff we were hunting in i could see my mm-hmm. truck it's right there and i just like you know what i could drag this thing 300 yards and but then I got to load it into my truck, and that's not easy to load a buck into a truck by yourself. And then mm-hmm. I got to, and then if I bring it home, I got to, any I'm got to gut it anyway. That's work. And then if I get it right. home, I'm gonna have to take care of all this stuff. And you know, we lived in the in the cities at that point, like the Fargo area. 
You know, it's not like mm-hmm. I just got like a farm out back where I can dump stuff. You know, so that's going to be a mess. I'm like, I'm just going to quarter it. I'm just going to quarter it mm-hmm. and carry it 300 yards instead of drag it. And man, so much easier. And then that day, what I thought was super cool is we had your buck loaded up, and it was like what 9:30, 10 a.m. Yeah, I think it was 10 o'clock. And we were like, well, let's go to the, let's go into town, grab a little bit, little bite to eat, nice little lunch, victory lunch, and come back out. Since I mean, when we headed back to town. We were seeing deer everywhere. And this was totally different. I mean, this is midday. I mean, typically during the midday when we drive around, we weren't seeing anything for deer, public or private. Yeah, because I think when we loaded up the truck, we were kind of like, man, we did it. We shot a buck, successful trip, like, you know, let's go get some lunch. And then, you know, I think we were kind of wondering, like, should we just head back and pack up? Because we're still two hours away from camp. Mm-hmm. And then we started seeing deer everywhere. Like this, there was something different about this day. The you know, like everyone says, the rut was on, the cold front came, the weather was right, mm-hmm. the deer were moving, and so we're like, I, "Well, you were both like, I don't care what you do, I, I'm tagged out. Like I'm good either way." Right. <laughs> um, your your girlfriend already had said, "Stay as long as you want to fill your tag," mm-hmm. which is I've never had that instruction before um i've never been given that uh so you were like i'm good man whatever you want to do i'm good and i'm like dude i I feel like it's a special day like and we don't have to technically leave until morning Mm -hmm. so what if we just went back out there's a couple spots i wanted to check i think the group of four had given us a couple spots that they were seeing some stuff in and so the Mm -hmm. whole lunch i'm looking at the map and I'm like, dude, I think we can drive this road. I think we can drive this. I think there's a little road here we can take, and we can just glass. Like, we'll just run fast, and the first buck we see, we'll shoot. Mm-hmm. And you're like, sounds good to me, man. I don't, you know, you know, like the lo- I could tell the pressure was off at that point for you. Right. And so it, the bar that we slept in, or the bar, not the bar we slept in, the bar we were eating lunch and had some real big mule deer on the wall. So that probably didn't help us either. <laughs> And so, what was it? We get to that spot. It's right across the road from where you shot your buck. It's the same exact area we've been seeing all these deer. Saw that big one. We get to the first little spot, and I'm like, hey, let's just pop over and see if there's anything here. And I feel like you were like, dude, we didn't even, (laughs) we didn't go anywhere. Like, we're still by the main road. What are you doing? Five-mile road, and we're 200 yards into it. Well, let's go check it out. I suppose. <laughs> and I may as well. <laughs> I think I walked out there and I was a little ahead of you and I brought the binos up and just hit the deck. Right? Just lay down mm-hmm. instantly and you're like, Are you serious? And I'm like, dude, there's a buck over there. It's gotta be a buck. Like the way it's laying. Mm-hmm. And then you had you came out with the like monster uh spotting scope because you had your tripod and all set up and you're like, Mm-hmm. I think your words were, that's the biggest buck we've seen this entire trip. Yep. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and you're like, dude, that thing's a toad. And so I look at it, and I'm like, holy shit, like, that is a good buck. Mm-hmm. The problem was, he was bedded at the complete top of a hill, way out in this valley, with nothing around him in any direction. <laughs> the only way to come at him without line of sight was to come at him directly upwind. And you would have got scented immediately. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I think I'm going to go this way and crawl around and just see how close I can get. And you're like, sweet, I'll just stay here with the spotter and I will, uh, I'll just watch him. 
you know, I'll just, you know, hang out. And so I take off. Uh, I met some hunters. And I'm like, hey, can you guys, like, not drive this road and blow this deer out for me? That'd be sweet. And I think they listened for, like, 10 minutes and then took off anyway. So Yeah, yeah, maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> and they so they uh, – luckily the buck didn't jump. I work my way down. I think you were, what, 750, 800 yards from him while you were watching him? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yep. And the closest I can get before I start running out of cover is, like, 600 yards. I go up here, 600. I walk down a little bit. Like, I keep running out. There's no cover. It's just a burnt pasture. I mean, you, this was a putting green. And so mm-hmm. I finally get to the best I can, and I start crawling. And this buck is sleeping. I got my scope turned all the way up. His eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. He had moved. You had seen him move. And so now, by this point, you know exactly which buck this is, but I still have no clue. Mm-hmm. And his eyes are closed. And I thought, as long as his eyes are closed, I'll crawl across this dance floor. But if he opens his eyes, I mean, I'm out in the wide open. This ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he opens his eyes, I'm going to shoot him or try to shoot him. And sure enough, about 10 feet later, he opens his eyes, and I only made it to 498. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's the last day. The wind is pretty good. I got a solid range on him. He's bedded down. This is why I built this rifle. It's a long-range chassis rifle. This is why I did it. It's why I put the scope on there. I might as well try. And so I did my best. I dial for the elevation. I look and I try to guess the wind and I dial for the wind. Try to control the breathing. Whack. And the reason I built this rifle and wanted it heavy with that muzzle brake is so that I could hopefully reduce the recoil enough to track my own shots or at least see the dust cloud, which worked great. What didn't work great was my first shot. You know, I see the dust cloud about six inches above his butt. And I'm like, ooh, that's not good. And I'm like, well, that I don't really get the behind it. Like, the up and down should have been perfect because this is low elevation. I, I mean, I've been shooting all summer long. I don't get why the up and down was off. But I can adjust for the left and right pretty easy. So I measure it with my scope. I move over. I shoot again. Once again, find the dust cloud. Well, now it's perfect left and right, but it's still like, you know, now it's like two inches over his back. And I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. But I'm thinking, he's not moving. He's still laying there. The The mm-hmm. shots are, are tracking exactly how I've been measuring them. So I'm like, well, I might as well just adjust the elevation for what I'm actually seeing. And so I do two more MOA, dial it in. Last shot, I shoot. And this time I'm trying to get back on him. And I, I he's gone. Like, I don't know what's happening. Well, he stood up. And I'm like, oh, no. Did I hit him or what's going on? And then he like takes one wobble step and just dumps. Oh, no, he stood up and his back leg was broken. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, I shot him in the back leg. Like, this is terrible. I wounded him. <laughs> well, it turns out it's the same broken leg buck that Bryce jumped the day before and ran down the Sahara. And so he stands up, takes one wobble step, and just dumps in his bed. And then it was mm-hmm. like a geyser of blood pumping out of his heart like i on the third shot 10 ringed him Mm -hmm. man was that a good feeling to like this whole kind of it kind of a disaster train of a hunt wraps up and we double up and it's still early like it's what 2 (laughs) 33 o'clock in the afternoon 
Oh, we were definitely, I mean, we were on the road before sunset and we were an hour plus from, from going back to the camper and getting everything loaded up and getting back on the road. So yeah, it was like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we, we ate lunch, we got back to our spot. We only went 200 yards off the road and we found the first buck. And so you walk up to me and you're like, dude, I got it all on film. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I was recording the entire time. And I'm like, dude, I was gone for 45 minutes. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, I know. I got a lot of video on my phone. (laughs) Got it though. (laughs) Bryce got the shot. Cameraman Bryce got the shot. He also instantly told me if you ever try to tell someone you ten ringed us on the first shot I got the proof that you didn't (laughs) (laughs) so we got that guy quartered up he wasn't you know he was the biggest buck we saw that whole trip but he still wasn't like anything Mm -hmm. special he was a probably what we said two or three year old buck but just a drought buck just didn't get his good forks and stuff Um, I think he had one little baby fork and that was it yeah, he's out in the garage right now. I still haven't euroed him, but but we got him quartered up pretty fast. It was only like seven hundred yard pack back to the truck, and we get back to the truck and we're like, we look at each other like, should we rock it all the way home tonight? Get home early, <laughs> and we're like, let's just get back, get the get the camp loaded up, and just get on the road a little bit. And if we get if it gets late, we'll just find a Walmart and pull over and sleep. Mm-hmm. So we get loaded up. We kind of mess up the we well to get into our actual campsite we had to go through like a ditch, and so we had to get a little creative to get the camper out of that. And then oh my gosh, that road on the way out is like the worst. It's like the worst <laughs> good looking road you've ever seen. Where it's like a gravel road, maintained houses on it. You think you could fly, and it's just terrible. Washboard all over and yeah. So we'd stop at the highway and get underneath it and check the damage. I think one jack got a little bent. We opened up the mm-hmm. door. Things were rattled around all over the place. <laughs> and uh, we get on the road, and I don't know. How did you feel when we were, like, headed out? Like, what did what did that feel like after doubling up on the last day, like right down to the wire on your first Western hunt? I mean, there's probably no feeling out there like it. Just, I mean, having – as discouraging of a hunt that I've ever had. I mean, I've had some pretty rough ones and like I've hunted spots where, you know, the farmers are out there messing up your hunt. And I mean, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not on purpose, either way, it's still frustrating. But like this one was just with the drought, the hunting pressure, the fact that, I mean, everything and everything all, accumulated up together it was pretty just gratifying i mean we doubled on the same (laughs) it was nice too that we we caught back up with that that injured deer just to you know take care of him because i mean i guess you didn't get to see him too much for walking but it was him walking was literally almost on two legs is how slow he was i mean it was it was a limp like he couldn't, he couldn't do much. So it was nice to, to have that be the one that we caught back up with. And and just the fact that we doubled on the same, on the last day, it was one of those hunts you kind of dream of. I mean, it wasn't anything for, for trophy type mule deer, but I, I, he's still on the wall. So I still call him a trophy. <laughs> it was, well, it was a trophy amount of effort, no matter how you mm-hmm. slice it. Um, right. 
I feel like that hunt was the perfect like textbook definition of like a roller coaster of a Western hunt with like all the excitement mm-hmm. leading up to it, thinking we're going to see lots of deer. Hopefully we're going to be able to pick through a couple bucks. You know, that's what everyone would love to do is like pick through a couple right. bucks, find a good one, go after him, kill him. We get there, you know, peak excitement first day we're seeing a buck and then like immediately crashes down for like two and a half days of just disappointment mm-hmm. after disappointment thinking like we're really thinking like we're not going to shoot anything like you know at one point we're like we're not gonna this isn't gonna happen and then that last day just skyrockets shoot one right out of the bat loaded up by 10 a.m you know can it get any better 200 yards after lunch another one you know loaded him up by 3 p.m and it was a roller coaster (laughs) and we're headed home early yeah 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 rocked it all night long uh, what was it like? Ten hours? Did we say ten, twelve hours? Sounds about right. I think we got back what, like three in the morning or so. Yeah, three, four a.m. Um, we got that one hour time change that hit us hard, or you know, hurt us on the mm-hmm. way back. Yeah, I think it would have been three a.m. But then that time change, right. which like, yeah, we got back in time for you to get a little breather and and head to the cities the next day. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if I really got a breather. I went to bed at four a.m., woke up at seven a.m., unpacked the truck, and left. <laughs> I mean, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. I certainly did. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a crazy hunt. I can't, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would be able to replicate that one if I tried. No, and that, and for that being my first Western hunt, like I say, that wasn't the, the biggest mule deer that I've ever seen, or obviously YouTube will, will ruin you if you take an hour and watch, you know, Montana mule deer hunts, but that in itself was, I mean, more gratifying than than I could have imagined, I guess, for my first time out there and first time even mule deer hunting. I was I was more successful than a lot of my whitetail hunts. So <laughs> Yeah, when you really think about it, for four days of hunting to shoot two bucks, I mean that doesn't happen very often, even if you have your own private land. Right. So I mean you guys were you were saying that you guys hadn't like wasn't your best success rate like 50% or something when you gone? Granted, it was with like yeah. three or four guys. But. On archery elk, it was 50% was our best out in the West. Oh. Um, we've done, the year before that, I did a hunt where I sh- we went six for six with rifles. We oh, shot nice. three antelope and three mule deer. Um, but, yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's tough. So right. I was just happy it's to, like, get you work. on success because, like, you never want to be the guy that's like, oh, come out west with me. It'll be a great time. And then it turns into mm-hmm. a disaster. Right. But. No, that was definitely fun. Good trip all around. Yeah. I remember when you showed up to my house to leave, you were wearing muck boots. And I'm like, you did bring different boots, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, these, it's just because it's snowing. Like I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Got the Danners. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty sure I know already that you would go west again. If I mm-hmm. messaged you next year and said, hey, want to go back to southeast Montana, what would you say? I mean, I wouldn't totally be opposed. <laughs> it was definitely It was definitely work and – Going for the second time, it would. I mean, I'm not opposed to any type of hunt, I guess. So it was challenging, it was rewarding, it was everything you look for in a hunt. So I don't know how they've if they bounce back at all from their drought, but 
yeah, like I say, I'm not not opposed to anything at this point. It's I like going out on those trips anyways. So <laughs> yeah, that last day of success really has a way of changing the whole lens about you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, we'll have to plan another one here soon, and hopefully this time Jeff's a little bit uh, more available. Got some of those projects at the farm done. Save up. Right. We can hit him on the right year and get him to come with us and. If nothing else, just have a pack meal. Right. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. <laughs> so, but I do think he would love yeah. it out there. I think he would enjoy no, it. Oh, he definitely would. I think anybody would. If they don't, they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. If you mm-hmm. don't love hunting the West, you're crazy. So. Yeah. So, man, just like that, Bryce, we've uh, we've went a little over an hour already. Yeah. Yeah, I guess how long do you usually go on these podcasts? I don't even know. <laughs> typically, yeah, typically an hour. Not too. About an hour. Yeah. But when you get into a good story that who, you know, then it's all off the right. off the rails, but but yeah, I do appreciate you hopping on and sharing that story. Kind of giving everyone that's listening to this. I mean, there'd probably be 4 or 5,000 people listening to this just kind of a mm-hmm. perspective of what it can be like on your first hunt. You know, kind of a little of everything. Mm-hmm. That's probably what most people's first hunt's going to be. Lots of excitement. Then you kind of get disappointed, and you got to kind of grind through that middle part of it. And then hopefully, a little luck, you you come out on top like yourself and like we did on that last day. So it's a pretty – Yeah, I'd say definitely set your expectations, you know, middle of the pack, and, and don't go in watching too much YouTube any days in advance. But – yeah, no, it's definitely, if you're going for your first time, it's more for the experience than anything anyways. I mean, if you if you never go, you'll never know. So There you go. I'd say. Really can't say yeah. it better than that. Um, can't say it better than that at all. So I think that's about as good a spot as any to wrap that episode up, and we will we'll have to do it again sometime. So we'll uh, – find a way to get out there again and have another podcast to tell the story sounds good yeah awesome awesome well thanks for being here bryce uh good to catch up with you hopefully i can get up to fargo again soon and hang out see everybody and and uh look forward to another season if you're not too busy on your farm (laughs) if i'm not too yeah i'm gonna be the new jeff so yeah (laughs) (laughs) well let me know if you need any help with any projects Lent a hand a couple times at the other farm, so. <laughs> All right. I might take you up on that offer. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, thanks for being here, and thank you for listening, folks.